When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Laker fans, thank you very, very much for tuning in. A late edition of Lakers Talk. Okay, I want to start with this. What has been an interesting conversation, at least for a a Monday here, as we're sitting here at um, the wee hours of the evening talking Lakers basketball, I didn't know there was going to be so much that was made of Anthony Davis, who's not picked up a basketball. There was an article, and there was some audio on this as well, um, I guess this was part of a YouTube channel that uh, AD mentioned that uh, he has not taken a shot since probably April 5th is what he said. So um, that's going to be my first thing that I want to get into because there's some angles on this. And a little bit late, uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about um, LeBron and potential clarity about what his future is going to be with the Lakers. Russ reportedly expected to opt into his $47 million contract. Uh, what the best scenario would be for the Lakers if Russ came back. And then Brad Turner from the LA Times is going to join me as well. So we got a lot that we're packing into the show. Um, but let, let's, let me just let me go back to this Anthony Davis piece real quick. So for those who don't know, and if you were listening to Travis and I this morning or maybe first take or get up, there was a conversation about, a, about AD this morning. And the conversation was that Anthony Davis hadn't picked up a basketball since around April 5th. And a lot of people were starting to, you know, kind of question, okay, well, is Anthony Davis, is he passionate enough as a basketball player to have had the season that he had to miss as many games as he did for the Lakers to not even make the playing tournament? And he's not picking up a basketball right after the season ended, and he's not working two-a-days in May and in June and everything else. Well, you know what? He's not committed. And there were a number of different people that went after Anthony Davis this morning, whether it was Stephen A. Smith, Jay Williams, Vince Carter. There are a few different people saying, how the hell is this guy? Um, He just doesn't care about the game the way he should. Let me give you my take on all this. And I think this is, I think there are some angles on this that make sense to me and some angles that don't. Let, Let me just kind of give you exactly what happened with Anthony Davis this past year. What he average? About 23 points per game, something along those lines. He missed 42 games of the season, so he played in 40. Obviously, he had his injuries. And the Lakers just, uh, uh, they didn't have a shot this year. There was no chemistry this past season. There was no chemistry. There was no togetherness. Um, there were times where it seemed like they weren't listening to their head coach. There were many a times it didn't seem like the mix of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russ made any sense, nor did it work. So the Lakers are obviously coming off one of those years where uh, when you have championship expectations and you have as bad of a year as they did, you want to not only turn the page, but you want to get ready for this upcoming year and do everything you can to have your influence. Anthony Davis, I cannot emphasize enough how important of a piece Anthony Davis is to the Lakers. I really can't. I don't know how you want to slice it or dice it. If Anthony Davis, this upcoming season, 
plays another 40 games, Lakers aren't making the playoffs. Most likely they're not making the playoffs again. That's safe to say. Forget championship run. They probably don't even make the playoffs again. Maybe they make the playing tournament and then, you know, they lose at some point. AD, I don't have to explain how important Anthony Davis is to the Lakers. However, do I think Anthony Davis not picking up a basketball since April 5th, should I now question his commitment and his passion to the game? I don't know. Is that fair? Is that fair to question? I don't. We didn't even get any more context to it. What if Anthony Davis is in the gym every single day? He's just not playing basketball. He's worried about rehab. He's worried about maybe the the uh, the cardio portion of things or the size he wants his build to be for the next season. Maybe he's doing other things. And by the way, I don't have an answer to it. I know that training camp won't start till late October, or I'm sorry, late September or so. But what it tells me is. Look how quick people are to jump on Anthony Davis because AD has not been living up to the expectation the last couple of years. I guarantee you if there was a viral video that went out a couple days ago and Giannis Antetokounmpo said, I have not picked up a basketball since April 5th. I know that's not physically possible because they lost to the Boston Celtics in the second round. So, of course, that's a different conversation. But let's just say that was the case. I don't think anybody's going to make a big deal about it. Let's say LeBron. LeBron said he hadn't picked up a basketball since April 5th. Would people make a big deal about it? I don't think they would. I think there's certain people that can get away with certain things, and those, on the other hand, that have certain expectations where you don't feel like they're living up to those expectations. And I'm talking about recently. AD was fantastic in the bubble. AD was fantastic that season. He was a key part to the Lakers winning a championship. But I think there's this difference in class in the NBA. When you got a guy who's won it all, who's done it, who was a finals MVP, who you know has led his team to an NBA championship in the past, when you have a player like that, they they get a different set of rules than some of the other guys around the league. And I think this is the case or a specific instance with Anthony Davis where a lot of these media people or former NBA players are holding up, holding him up to a different standard. And they're saying, no, AD, you're one of the baddest players in the league, but your trajectory over the last couple of years is only going downhill. Nobody wants to hear that you haven't picked up a ball since April 5th. I don't think I fall into that category. I would personally like more context. And I don't question that he's passionate or he's not passionate based on this YouTube video that lasted for five seconds where he said he hadn't picked up a basketball. But I can see why people are jumping all over him as well. I could see Laker fans right now that are tuned in and are sitting there saying, no, no, AD, man, you're you're too important to allow any, I guess you can say from an offseason perspective, any time go by that you don't consider it useful. I was telling Travis this morning we're doing our show. You guys remember back in the Shaq and Kobe days? I, I think part of a lot of the frustration of Kobe – um, on Shaquille O'Neal as Kobe just outworked everybody. It didn't matter the time of the day. It didn't matter it was morning, night. It didn't matter if it was off-season, during season. Kobe outworked everybody. And Shaquille would show up to training camp looking like he had a fantastic off-season and a fantastic summer. Shaquille showed up. Where was he? Cabo, Cancun, wherever he was. Guy looked like he was having a fantastic time. Eating, drinking well. Everything you could think of when you go on vacation. 
and Shaq would show up and he'd almost allow the regular season to get him back to shape. But this was a difference between Shaquille O'Neal and any of these other players that come into training camp not looking the way that they should. When push came to shove, Shaquille O'Neal was going to deliver when playoffs started. Shaquille O'Neal was the most dominating player, arguably, in the history of the NBA, if not one of the most dominating players in the history of the NBA. When Shaq was winning finals, stacking NBA uh, trophies for the Lakers and throwing up banners up at Staples Center at the time, he was also stacking up finals MVPs. And really, it was just, uh, how the hell do you stop this guy? There was no answer for him. So, and I'm not, and by no means am I trying to make a case here, Anthony Davis is going to be walking into training camp with the same mindset that Shaq had, because I don't think that's the case. But that takes me back to some guys get a free pass and other guys don't. And I think right now in Anthony Davis's career, um, the last couple of years, how things have gone, the fact that he hasn't played more than 50% of the games the last couple of years, he's actually played under 50%, um, and how dependent the Lakers are on AD, anytime anything happens where you don't feel like um, Anthony Davis is taking full advantage of an offseason or taking full advantage of his opportunity with the Lakers, it's uh, he's a target. And that I can't change. I can't change other people's opinion of how they should feel about that clip. I can kind of just give you my perspective. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal. I would like more context. I don't think AD is any less passionate about the game than he has been in the past. But I also understand why it would bother people to hear a player like Anthony Davis not picking up a ball since April 5th. So that's my take on that. Um, some players get a pass. Some players don't. What I will say that here's what it's going, what it will come down to this upcoming season with Anthony Davis. Are you delivering or are you not? And the last two years he has not delivered. And we can make excuses and say, well, he wasn't, he wasn't healthy. But that's part of the game too. You know, your availability, how people perceive you, what you do on a night-in, night-out basis is also based upon if you're available or if you're not. So for Anthony Davis, if he wants to get the benefit of the doubt, maybe he cares, maybe he doesn't care, maybe people won't be jumping on him all over him if next season he has an MVP caliber season or a top five player in the NBA type of season. But at this point of his career, it's tough to give him that benefit of the doubt. So he's got a lot of work to do. How can you shut up a lot of these critics? You go out there, you deliver. You are one of the best big men in the NBA. Uh, you try to get in 65 to 70 games. And, you know, ultimately you walk into those playoffs as one of the biggest threats in the entire NBA. And that's obviously the hope this upcoming year. So that's my take real quick on, uh, on Anthony Davis and some of that chatter earlier today. He's got a lot to prove this upcoming season, and uh, that's why I think a lot of people jump all over him for something as small as that. Um, there's an article that came out a little bit earlier. I think it was yesterday that it came out. Uh, Eric Pincus, good friend, and uh, he's come on the show a number of different times. Just fantastic at what he does. Um, his story I thought was interesting. It said, will Lakers get clarity on LeBron James before the draft? So – for those who don't know, there's a lot that could happen between now and August, even though I think all of us really know what LeBron James is going to do. LeBron can sign. Uh, he's eligible. Let's put, let's put it that way. He's eligible for an extension on August 4th. Um, 
he could sign an additional two years for after this season, so basically play through 2024-2025 with the Lakers. So he can sign a two-year extension with the Lakers on August 4th. And Eric Pincus is bringing up the point that the clarity of what LeBron James is going to do would be really helpful to the Lakers if he can give them that clarity now. Give them that clarity before the NBA draft. Give them that clarity before the uh, free agency when that all starts. And he's got a lot of reasons of why that clarity is important. I want to get into that coming up next. Uh, Plus, I want to talk about um, – there's a few angles I want to talk about with Russ as well. So we'll do all that coming up next. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. By the way, uh, download the new um, ESPN LA app. We've got a channel right there for Lakers Talk. So any Laker content, we're trying to put it on there. Of course, Lakers Talk always goes on there. So appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Um, so I was just mentioning this. By the way, Brad Turner of the LA Times, he'll be on in about 15 minutes or so, 10 minutes or so. Um, I was just talking about an article Eric Pincus had. Will the Lakers get clarity on LeBron James before the draft? Um, so I'll set this up. The Lakers are – they can LeBron's eligible for an extension on August 4th. So he can sign a two-year deal, additional two years on top of the upcoming season with the Lakers. And many believe that he's going to sign that extension. Now, what Pincus is trying to bring up is it would be a lot it give the the organization so much more clarity if he decided to give them, you know, the the guarantee or that hey, this is exactly what I'm going to be doing. They could do that before the draft. Now, what what's his reasoning for that? His reasoning is life with LeBron James on the Lakers versus life without LeBron James on the Lakers. Obviously, those are two completely different franchises. Those are two completely different blueprints. Those are um, it, it's literally it's an incredible difference of what direction you're going to go in. Are you driving north? Are you driving south? And that's kind of the the concept and the idea that Pincus is bringing up that give the organization some clarity so that they know if they go out and they make a trade, if they go out and do this or they do that, they know what your future is. Because if the Lakers, let's say the NBA draft, which I want to say is, uh, was it June 28th, something along those lines. If they go out and they make a trade on draft night and then they decided they were going to trade Russ and now they're taking on other contracts, and those other contracts are role players that are going to be on the team for another two, three years, or whatever the case is. You're obviously in this win now. You're assuming Braun's going to be around, and you're going to try to go take another title run, hopefully over the next couple of years while Braun is still around. But if you do all that, and then August 4th rolls around, and LeBron says, you know what, guys? Um, just going to play out the season. I'm not going to sign my extension and I just want to play out the year. I want to see where the organization is. 
and uh, and I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do after that. Obviously, that completely changes the plan. That, I'm sure, will have an impact on what the Lakers would be doing or what they would choose to do, if whether LeBron signed an extension or if he didn't. You could see how, how different both of those lanes are. Um, I don't have a problem with LeBron waiting until August 4th. I really don't. And let me tell you why. I've kind of always said this. One of the things I like about star players, I love when they have leverage and they use it. And, and, and here's part of my reason why I like it. Remember when Braun was in Cleveland and he kept signing those one-year deals with a – it's two-year deal, but you got an option after one year. Why was Braun, Braun signing those shorter-term deals? He was doing it because he wanted to make sure Dan Gilbert and the Cleveland Cavaliers were on notice. We better be competing for a championship or I could leave at any moment. Now, I think the Lakers have proven that they are willing to do whatever it takes – to go try to compete for a championship. One of the things that would give you that indication is when they went and traded for Anthony Davis. Another thing that would give you that indication is when they went out and traded for Russ. Now, it didn't work. But it's not like the effort wasn't there of, hey, we're all in. The Lakers have been all in the moment LeBron James uh, signed with Magic Johnson at free agency, whatever, I think it was 4th of July or something like that, a few years back. They've been all in. So I think you have to question whether the Lakers are all in or not. But I think it's a combination of you're all in and are you doing it the right way? Do I actually have a chance of competing for another championship? If I told you this upcoming season for the Lakers, what is it that you think will be the storyline around the Lakers? Part of the big storyline is going to be the potential of Braun passing Kareem for most points scored all time. There's just no other way to put it. That's a huge moment in the history of the NBA and Braun could be doing that wearing a Laker uniform passing the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, and that's that's a big moment the other part of it which should be the first part of it and the priority is well the Lakers are going to be competing for championship number 18 right I don't have that answer so I, I think this piece of well would really help the Lakers if you tell them uh, by June 28th or before the NBA uh, draft and before free agency, what you're going to do in the future. I get why the Lakers want him to do it, but I also understand if Braun decided, no, 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 I'm not going to just guarantee you three more years on the team. I got to know that I got a chance to compete for a championship. That's on Rob Palenka. That's obviously now going to be on the new head coach, Darvin Ham. That's on Jeannie Buss. That's on the front office. It's their responsibility to try to obviously do that. And like I said, I never question their will to win. They want to win. But how are you getting there, and is it realistic or is it not realistic? Now, the other side of this is very simple as well. I do think Braun is going to sign that extension. I do think LeBron James will be offered that extension August 4th, and I think he will sign it. Now, this is I don't have any intel on this. I'm just assuming it seems like LeBron James has enjoyed his time with the Lakers, He's won an NBA championship here. Um, his family is here. He obviously has an incredible amount of um, uh, business adventures that are based out here in Los Angeles. He just became uh, the first uh, billionaire player in the NBA. I mean, a, a lot of stuff leans me to, to believe that LeBron is going to stay with the Lakers. Um, but I, I, I'm not one that, that has an issue 
or I don't like the pressure or anything along those lines. I actually I kind of like when when situations like that happens. I, I really do. Now, to play off of what could have an incredible impact of what happens this upcom- upcoming season, there's a report out there, and there should not be a surprise or a shock, that Russell Westbrook is expected to opt into his $47 million contract. All right? So, Russ, we know the story. Last year, I think he averaged 18-7-7, and something like that. Which, by the way, if you told me before the season started, hey, Russ is going to average 18-7-7, you taking that on the Lakers with Braun and AD? I'd say, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that, that works. 18-7-7 as a third-best player on your team? Yeah, that sounds like a good season. But it didn't work out that way. He struggled. There are times, obviously, Laker fans were booing him. He had some issues with other fans that were calling him Russell Westbrook. And, you know, it, we know that how the season all played out. And the reality is a lot of the time it was not, you know, we, we pointed the finger at Russ as if it was all his fault. It wasn't all his fault. But he also didn't have a good season. There were times where you felt like his personality would clash with – um, sacrificing for the team or finding a role, knowing that, hey, there's other things I can do to potentially help this Lakers team win. Um, it just, however you want to put it, it didn't go well. But there is, um, it is believed that he's going to sign that $47 million contract, $47 million contract for this upcoming season. And that's not a surprise or a shock. If you were Russ, of course, you'd be uh, taking that money too. I guess the question comes down to this. When the season first ended, I didn't think Russ was coming back. I didn't. I just thought that not even just the exit interview, I just thought basketball-wise, it didn't seem like the Lakers can win with Russ, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. So if you can't win and you can't compete for a championship, then what the hell are we doing? Might as well roll the dice, try to go get some role players, maybe find a situation that works for another team, if it might cost you some draft compensation, okay, well, that's the price of doing business. If it might cost you a couple of contracts that come back, you like the role players, even though they're not expiring contracts, you might have to hold on that contract for two or three years. All right, work with it. It's worth the risk. You're in a window with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You got to try to take advantage of that window. That was when the season just ended. Now I got to be honest with you as I sit here today. And we see last week was a perfect example. A week ago today, Darvin Ham became the head coach of the Lakers. We do a thing over at uh, at the Lakers training facility, and we get a chance to talk to Darvin Ham, myself, and Travis Rogers. And a lot of quotes came out. And look who's there. Russ is there. Russ is hanging out on the side uh, on the sidelines there, and just kind of watching the presser. A lot of questions get brought up about Russ. Darvin Ham talked about, you know, don't get it twisted. This is one of the best players to ever play the game, and he's still got a lot of gas left in that tank. There were a lot of reports around the Lakers, more and more rumors, no, we're not going to give up draft compensation. He's going to stay right here. So the way I sit here today is a lot different about my view of Russ potentially returning with the Lakers than a month and a half ago. It's a lot different. It really is. Two months ago, whatever that was. So I, I, the reason why I bring this up is I think that if you're looking at how far the Lakers can realistically go with LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russ, 
knowing what we knew and what we saw last year. Um, let me give my best case scenario that I think can happen this upcoming season if those three players are all playing again. First off, this is the most important thing. The most important thing is AD's on the floor 65-70 games. That's number one. Again, I'm just talking best case scenario. Number two, Braun is still LeBron James. So it doesn't matter his age. doesn't matter he's going into his 19th season. It doesn't matter uh, that he'll be 38 years old. It does, put all that stuff to the side. Braun is still as productive as he was this past season. All these things, this is my best case scenario. Then there's the Russ portion. Russ finds ways to contribute to a team as a role player. He's not a star on this Lakers team. He's just not. Nor do you need him to be a superstar. You need him to contribute. You need him. Darvin Ham said this last week. He's got to be one of the best defenders at that position. Take him back to the Thunder days. Has to sacrifice. Has to be a player that if it's asked to come off the bench, then you come off the bench and you don't ask. You just say, whatever you need, let's freaking win. Draymond Green had a couple games ago on Friday where the guy came off the bench or was benched with seven minutes left to go. Hey, whatever it takes to win. I think it's going to take those three guys to do what I just described, plus fantastic role players. Um, guys like Austin Reeves. We'll see what happens to Malik Monk. See what they could do with some of that mid-level exception money that they'll have. Everyone's got to contribute. And Darvin Ham is a, a leader like no tomorrow and gets these guys all pulling the rope in the same direction. That, to me, is the best-case scenario. And if that lands you a top-five seed in the Western Conference, just get in the big dance, and at least you got guys that have been there and who've done it in the NBA um, to go try to make a legitimate run. So Russ reportedly expected to opt into that $47 million contract. Today, the way I feel about Russ – than I did two months ago is a lot different in the sense that I, you know, I'm leaning more towards there's a better chance he comes back next year or next season than he doesn't. So I think that's just something that's going to become more and more realistic. Okay. Brad Turner from the LA times covers the Los Angeles Lakers. Looking forward to get his thoughts on a few of these topics that I've already brought up. We'll do that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Want to welcome in a frequent guest. Always appreciate when Brad Turner of the LA Times joins the show. BT, thank you for doing this, buddy. Man, Alan, it's my pleasure, man. I always speak with you. You're the best at this. <laughs> 
Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Okay, let, let, let's do this. I just got off this uh, topic right now. Um, there was a report over the weekend that Russ is reportedly expected to opt into that $47 million contract, which I don't think is any surprise or a shock. I'm, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on this. From when we got to the offseason and Russ does his exit interview and, you know, we obviously saw, I think, enough games to see what the potential was with those three players, him, um, AD, and LeBron, to where we sit today. Do you feel like – do you feel different today about the potential of Russ coming back than you did a couple months ago? Has it changed at all? I'm just curious if the time lapse and Russ at the presser and all that other stuff makes you makes you feel like he would come back more than not. Well, we'll start with him coming back. If you're asking me if he's going to opt in to $47 million, which begins the whole process, that hasn't changed. There's no way he's walking away from that kind of money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No one would do that. So in that regard, then yes, Russ will be back in the Lakers uniform. Will he be there the entire season becomes the key question. That I don't know. Does he want to play for the Lakers? I'm sure he does. Do the Lakers still want him? It sounds as if they do. You know, is he difficult to trade with that contract in the season he just had? Yes, he is. I mean, so there's still more questions to be answered than what we know of. I mean, it's just going forward. The first thing becomes Russell opted into his contract for $47 million, and that will happen. There's no way in the world he walks away from that kind of money. BT, is the vision on this, because I tried playing out what I thought would be the best case scenario next year to try to make this thing work. And I'm let me. I'm not trying to say that, hey, this happens and the Lakers go into championship. I'm just looking at those three players, a new head coach that comes in. What What do you envision if they had another opportunity, another go at it, and it was Braun, AD, and Russ – what is the best-case scenario for those players individually you think to mesh, to, uh, to, have a, to have success, to maybe there's a message coming from Darvin Ham that's different, maybe all three of those guys knowing, like, there is no exit here. We either got to figure this out or we're going to fail again. What would be a best-case scenario for the three individually? Well, let's just start with having LeBron and AD healthy the entire season. we start there. That's just a fact. Number two is how much are all three willing to sacrifice of themselves in their games like they said they were willing to do when they first had this conversation last year before Russ was traded to the Lakers? Are they fully engaged in doing that? And how does Russ and LeBron James, who are both at their absolute best with the ball in their hands, feel about and how serious will both of them be about playing off the ball? And then say they are, how effective can they be off the ball? Because they've been at their best having the ball in their hand, dominating all the action. How good can Russell Westbrook be as a shooter? Well, he's proven that he's not a very good shooter. That hasn't improved much over the year. He shot very poorly for three-point range. Is that something that he is willing to work on or will work on over the summer? Will LeBron James be someone who is also willing to play off the ball 
when he's done that, what, 20 seasons? He's had the ball in his hand. Russ has had the ball in his hand his entire career. He set records with triple-doubles. And, oh, by the way, there's a guy by the name of Anthony Davis who also needs touches, needs touches in the box. He wants to shoot those threes maybe based on the last two seasons. He might want to give up on that. So it comes down to how willing are all three players to absolutely buy into what Darvin Ham said versus last year saying the same things, and they were unwilling to do that to a certain degree. BT, the you know we were both uh, there last week listening to Darvin Ham, and I thought uh, I thought that presser, and I think the the coverage that it got, and some optimism walking away of what Darvin Ham could do with this team. Just your quick thoughts. What what did you think of Darvin Ham's presser, and what did you think of some of the the messaging that he gave, and how much of an impact do you think he could have on this roster? You know, that was my first time meeting Darvin and the beat guys. We had a chance to meet him a little bit later after the press conference, about an hour or so afterwards. I walked away very impressed by him. Everything I had been told by people that know Darvin, former players, coaches, former teammates, everything they told me about him was accurate. He is just very passionate person about basketball. He's smart. He's a very nice, engaging person. And because he is six foot six, six seven, sure. and two fifty two sixty, he's an imposing figure. But he knows how to carry himself. He knows how to talk to players the right way to get the most out of them. That's all I heard from everyone. And when I walked away from that press conference, I thought he is ready to do this. Hmm. He is going to be a successful coach in the NBA. And I can't wait to work with him to see what he can get accomplished as a coach in the NBA. Brad Turner from the LA Times taking some time to join Lakers talk here. BT, how much of, you know, I, I think I, I value, I put a lot of value on coaches. I really do. And, and this is, um, I thought the time Frank Vogel with the Lakers, obviously incredibly successful. You end up winning a championship. And I think some injuries played into it after that, some roster construction in question. But obviously, last year, things didn't work out, and there could have been times where maybe that messaging was didn't have the same um, didn't have the same impact it had on the past. I'm curious just your thoughts on when you get a new coach and he's obviously trying to lead a roster, how, how important is that relationship with the coach? Do, do you have to have do the players have to have a personal close relationship with the coach? Does it just have to be a mutual respect? What What's the key attribute that you think you walk away from? I think it has to be mutual respect with the coach and the players. Now go back to when Phil Jackson obviously came in with six championships from Chicago. Heck, coach, arguably, I won't argue this, but arguably the greatest player in the history of the game of Michael Jordan. He had one of the best all-time, all-around players ever in Scottie Pippen, and he won those six titles. So he came in, and immediately he commanded respect because of him being who he is. Now, Darby comes in, having won a title as an assistant coach in Milwaukee. Darby also won a title with the Detroit Pistons when they upset the Lakers in 2004. So he has championship medals. And he's played in the NBA. The idea is you don't want to, you don't need to be friends with these players. You want to respect each other, and you want to have a friendship 
but you're not going to be going. I don't expect to see Darwin Ham in a club with a bunch of players. I'm sure he's probably too old for that now anyway, <laughs> but that ain't going to happen. But you must respect what each other is trying to accomplish and what he's trying to do. Otherwise, it just won't work. BT, there was, um, there was a report, not even a report, this was a, an article, one, one of our friends, uh, Eric Pincus, who does a fantastic job, and it, it talked about will the Lakers get clarity on LeBron James before the draft. We do know that August 4th um, he consigned a two-year extension to stay with the Lakers through 2024-2025. I'm just, uh, you know, the, I, I get the article and I get the piece that the clarity would mean, okay, if the Lakers are making some moves at draft day or they're making some moves at free agency or the direction that they get, they know that that's because Braun's going to be here for next season and then two more years on top of that. Number one, do you expect him um, to sign that extension come August 4th? And number two, what do you think of some type of clarity to the organization prior? I'm just curious to get your thoughts if, if that's something that you expect or not. The question becomes the clarity of being what? What do you, what do you need to be clear on? I, what you are clear on is that he's going to be he's under contract this season. Mm-hmm. That's what you, you know. He knows that. You're also clear on that he can't sign an extension until August the 4th. Right. So with that being the case, there's nothing for you to worry about regarding LeBron James. In my view, you have to put your team together and construct the best roster possible around LeBron, around AD, around Russell. To me, that's pretty simple. That's easy to think about what you have to do. Clarity on something, we're never going to be clear about what LeBron wants to do. Mm-hmm. He may not be clear on what he wants to do. And you said an extension, don't the Lakers have to offer him an extension? It has to be both ways. Sure. I'm not saying they're not going to do that, but they have to be willing to offer him the kind of money he may be seeking. So there's that. And I just think that he – the Brown wants to win a championship, another one. And putting a team together is going to be something real important that Rob Polinka and Kurt Ramos that they have to do to give them a chance Let's say forget trying to win the NBA championship. This team didn't make the playing game last year. So can they put a team together that makes them the top six teams in the West, which will be very, very difficult next season? Yeah, it's funny, BT. I, I've always said this, and I, I mentioned this earlier in the show. I kind of like when players, athletes, I, I like when they have the leverage. And the reason why I say that is because remember when LeBron used to sign those two-year deals in Cleveland, but there was always a one-year out, right? The first year is guaranteed. Right. The second year he's got um, he's got an option to, to pull out if he needed to. And I felt like that was all – the Cavs were always on notice of you better put together the best product on the floor because you just don't know what my future is going to be if I don't feel like I have a chance of winning at all. And I'm not saying that this is the exact scenario for the Lakers because I, I think it's not apples to apples, but I, I always – admire those who it is so important like you just mentioned Braun wants people thought when he first signed with the Lakers he was done trying to win championships it was about being in Hollywood and everything else and then he went out and won a championship and even at this point people I think sometimes question okay was that the top priority or is it going to go win the scoring title or is it going to go past Kareem I think he's always every season he's played 
how can I compete for a championship? I don't see anything changing in, in the next few years. Look, the LeBron James that I've covered and gotten to know over these years and watch play, his number one goal is to win as many titles as he can. Right now he has four, correct? He wants to win another one. He wants to go out a champion. Yes, breaking Queen's record is in front of him. He stays healthy. He will accomplish that goal. Yes, he wants to lead these guys to the title. That's where we are with this. I mean, it's not just let me break Kareem's record. Let me try to get some more accolades. The main accolade is always trying to win NBA titles, and that is his sole goal, always has been, and always will be. BT, what, what did you make of this? There was, um, I, I, I think it made the rounds this morning. I, I thought it was kind of comical, but at the same time, people feel a certain way. Anthony Davis was on some YouTube channel, and um, there's a clip there that he says, I haven't shot a basketball since probably April 5th. And I think April 5th might have been the last game that he played. Lakers were eliminated before the final game of the season on April 10th. And this morning I was listening to Stephen A., Jay Williams, Vince Carter. A lot of people were going after Anthony Davis, basically saying, <laughs> basically the, look, you, you've had two disappointing seasons, your percentage was this, blah, blah, blah. What, when, when you hear a quote like that and it's associated to Anthony Davis, the case I was trying to make is there's certain players right now that will probably get a free pass. If Giannis said that or Braun said that, it's no story. But if Anthony Davis said it, or maybe James Harden, or I don't know, think of other players in the league, they're not maybe going to get that free pass in the media. Um, what do you? What go, comes to your mind when you hear that quote when AD said he hasn't took, taken a shot since April 5th? The first thing I thought was, don't let your boy post that on YouTube. Mm. Stop it, man. Mm. Don't put yourself out there. That's number one. But the more important thing is, after having talked to some front office people and players around the league, all of them have told me, you don't start shooting most likely until July, maybe even August. That's a common thing no matter how long you I think play. J.J. Reddick said that today. Exactly. J.J. knows. You rest your body. And then once your body has got to the point where you think you're fully rested, then you start – a slow, gradual buildup to get your body ready for the season. Remember, you don't come to camp until now in late September. You don't want to be at peak condition in July. And all of a sudden, you're not as strong. You get a little bit tired. I mean, you build on this. So what he's doing, by saying he got the shot, it makes sense to me. Having covered this league for so many years, a lot of guys don't pick up the basketball and shoot. They do things for their body. They get it in better shape to build up the muscles, the muscle memory, to get the stretching done, core activities done. There's so much more to the training session now that shooting the ball becomes an easy thing to get back into. Yes, he shot 40 for three-point range this last season, last couple of seasons, but – I just know, having talked to some other players today, that that's not unusual. It happens a lot. Guys don't shoot a lot in June, if at all. Guys don't even shoot a lot in July. But there's a period where you get there once you go through your progression where now it becomes skills on the court, which includes shooting. 
BT, you bring reason to the show, my friend. Always, uh, always appreciate you joining the show. Thank you for doing this. All right, babe. Man, it's my pleasure, Alan. All right, that is uh, Brad Turner right there from the LA Times. Final thoughts when we come back. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk, and thank you to Brad Turner of the LA Times. Always appreciate his uh, thoughts on the Lakers. You know, it's funny, I I thought, I guess – Listening to BT there at the end, the way I started the show about that Anthony Davis chatter, not taking shots, it's April 5th. Okay, I don't feel as crazy anymore. I thought I was kind of more on an island thinking, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Can we get a little bit more information on it? And BT spent a lot of time just really talking about how it's very, very normal, according to players, former players that he's talked to, agents and so forth, that you you give your body some time to rest. And like I said in the beginning, I think some players get that free pass, and AD's at a stage of his career, everyone's looking at him. What are you doing? What are you accomplishing? What's your regimen in the offseason? How do you stay healthy? How much more impact can you have on the Lakers? Can you be part of that conversation again as a top five player in the NBA? Can you be that part part of the conversation as top three big men in the NBA? And the answer right now is he hasn't been. So he does have something to prove, which is why I think – you know, this is a um, it's a good conversation because he does not get that benefit of the doubt the way some of these other players around the league uh, certainly do. So, again, uh, thank you to uh, Brad Turner from that. I-, I thought this was a couple more things I want to get into because coming up to the end of the show here. Um, I thought this was interesting that today is might have been yesterday, the anniversary of the Lakers three-peat. So we're talking about the Lakers who beat the Pacers back in 2000, beat the Philadelphia 76ers back in 2001, and then uh, eventually beat the, uh, at the time, the New Jersey Nets uh, 2002. Um, The anniversary of what is my favorite era of Lakers basketball. Now let me explain to you what I mean by that. I think everybody – at a certain point of their, you know, I'm obviously talking to a lot of Laker fans on this channel. Um, I think your age has a lot to do with what your favorite era is. And that's probably the the same case with music. That's probably the same case with maybe movies or whatever the case is. And for me, when it came to Lakers basketball, oh, there's nothing better than the mid-90s for me. Again, I was at that age where I didn't get to enjoy the Showtime era. I almost I it's more for me what the Showtime era was for most people where that was their era um for me it was throwing in a VHS and watching Magic versus Bird and doing my best to kind of understand the rivalry and I was doing that as a kid but where where I understood what was going on I I was probably 7 or 8 years old and it was Magic versus Jordan in the NBA finals we know what the Bulls did to the Lakers and uh, I still thought after Lakers won game one, Sam Perkins hit that three. I was like, that's over. Lakers are going to win. Yeah, they're going to sweep the Chicago Bulls. I got a reality from there. But after that, it was the Eddie Jones, Cedric Sabalos, Nick Van Ex. Okay, I got that whole era. But then 96 came, and it was Kobe, and Derek Fisher was drafted, and Shaquille O'Neal signed as a free agent. 
And every time I see, you know, we go back to the anniversary of that three-peat for the Lakers, it's my favorite era in Lakers basketball. And I, I don't know if it had to do with Phil Jackson was a part of it. I don't know what it had to do with 1996 when everybody came. It's not like they instantly started winning. Uh, Del Harris was the coach and then, you know, it took obviously losing – before they finally remember Utah would eliminate them from the playoffs. I think the Spurs did it back in 99 and that's when they closed up the great Western form. And then it finally hit. And once it hit, the Lakers became one of the most unstoppable franchises and Kobe and Shaq did what they did. And they won three championships. I was telling Travis this earlier this morning that I feel like everybody kind of walks into their own era. What is your era of where maybe you enjoyed that team the most my no question about it was the Shaq and Kobe days. Love the pack, the Powell and Kobe days. But the Shaq and Kobe, I think just that, that one set it off for me. That one got it going. That one, they failed so many times. And a lot of people even look back today. It's kind of crazy. Shaq and Kobe won three championships together. And if you ask most NBA fans, hey, Shaq and Kobe won three. Do you think they underachieved? And I think a lot of people would say, yeah, they did underachieve because that's how good both of those players were. That's how dominating both of those players were. Um, but that that era, it was all about getting out of the West. If you got out of the West, like the Lakers did against the Blazers or like the Lakers did against the Sacramento Kings, you pretty much knew the Eastern Conference had absolutely no hope against you. Um, and the Lakers uh, certainly found a way to do it. Remember the Spurs rivalry back in the day. So that was, um, that was the anniversary. It says, on this day, June 12th, 2022 was the Lakers three-peat, June 12th, so 2020, uh, or in 2002, uh, um, uh, so it was 20 years ago yesterday. Pretty damn cool. That's 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 my era. Last thing I want to get into here real quick, then we'll call it a night. Um, you guys see this? Lou Williams reveals why he preferred the Clippers over the Lakers. I, I thought this was interesting. Um, let me read a quote that he said. He was on the Knuckleheads podcast Clippers, that easy. He was asked which franchise he prefers. That's easy for me. I was part of a culture change over there. They gave us an opportunity to kind of build that organization out to our personalities and how we want it to feel and look. And I think we had a big part in how it looks. I'm part of that. Um, I don't, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, Lou Williams, why would he pick the Clippers? No, I get it. Clippers don't have much history, and he was part of the small amount of history that he had there. When he was with the Lakers, it was arguably the worst period in the history of the franchise. So I don't think that one was a shocker or a surprise to me. It certainly wasn't. Uh, so I understand where he was coming from. Hey, Lou Williams always, uh, every time uh, I felt like the Lakers would play the Clippers, that guy would always hit a big bat. I felt like the guy never missed, him and Jamal Crawford. Uh, all right, Laker fans, thank you very much for being a part of the show. Like I've said, and I'll always uh, repeat this, Lakers Talk Podcast on the ESPN app or on iTunes, or just get it, ESPN LA. Just download our own uh, app that we have now, and you can get Lakers Talk. Uh, thank you to Michael Funches. Thank you to Laura Romo. Mario Ruiz, always a great job with all the imaging. Uh, thank you very much for being a part of the show. We'll see you next week. Have a great night.